to the Multimobile Podcast. I'm Delena Brecken. And I'm Chad Schoen, and uh, this is winter 2019. 19, oh my gosh. Yeah, sorry for the delay, but uh, a few things have happened. Yes, we're, <laughs> we're a little uh, occupied, yeah, I guess. A little is occupied one way is a really say, good way to say yes, it. Yes, we've got lots going on on our plates. We've got things to do and people to see. That's right. That's right. Movers and shakers. But that being said, we're fully into winter term and ready to go. It's great to get back in the studio with you, Chad. Yeah, I'm, I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to respond to that, okay. so I just looked out. <laughs> okay. So right. let's go today. Uh, this episode, we have our faculty fellow, I mean, our fa- featured faculty. Featured faculty spotlight. Yes, is Wes Clogston with Law and Justice. Awesome. I love Wes. I love Wes. And um, to start us off, let's talk about news they need to know. News you need to know. (gasps) There's no news like a new news. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) I know the part we'll have to cut out. Cut out out that notification. It really, you didn't know, they didn't hear that. That was just us oh, because they're wearing the mic, the headphones. Well, okay. Right. So it's time for news you need to know. And uh, what do we need to know? Well, I was real excited to tell you about this new feature in Canvas, the validate links. And so there's a course link validator. So once you copy your course from a previous term, you can click on the course link validator, and it's going to search your whole course for invalid or unreachable links or images, and then it's going to identify those, and you can click right to them. So to activate the course link validator, you're going to go to your settings in the bottom left, and then on the far right, it'll be there in the list of options, and it says course link validator. So uh, no more do you need to worry about having bad links in yeah. your course. I think that's probably kept a lot of people up at night. It's yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of stress. You, yeah. you copy a course and what and if... your links are invalid. What if you have an invalid link? You know, it's... it's you don't want to see it and they don't want... And students no, don't you don't want... No, you don't want to show your students that. That doesn't look... <laughs> that doesn't look fair well for you. Um, so... All right, that's cool. I mean, it actually is cool. That it is cool. It should just be something... You click... You scan, and then you remediate. Right. I like the the workflow. Anything else Canvas-wise we should know about? Well, we got spring quarter coming in to Canvas on February 13th, so you can keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, Those classes should show up on your dashboard on the 13th. Awesome. Mm -hmm. We'd also like to alert faculty to our multimodal learning community. Those are the faculty learning communities hosted by... Multimodal learning. Great. And uh, Lisa Norris will be presenting on her experience as being a faculty fellow with Multimodal Education Center. She did, um, um, basically, she learned all about digital storytelling with me and uh, created an assignment with her students. And uh, she's going to talk about her experience with them and how her students responded to creating digital stories. Great. So I've got a question. It's been a question in my mind for probably as long as I've known you. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the what is the MEC and what is MML? What's the difference? You've had that question this whole time. This whole time, I want it's something like connected to news we need to know, uh-huh. but it's also p- 
part of just my your process. My process, yeah. yeah. Uh, I believe multimodal learning is more of the interface with technology involved strictly with online. I mean, that's been my experience. Faculty who deal with strictly online experiences and the multimodal education center is the interface between students, faculty, and staff with technology largely in a face-to-face -face context. There's lots of bleeding of both those. Case in point, uh, Lisa Norris when she did the digital storytelling was strictly online. Oh. Um, but I typically see students and faculty and staff in a face-to-face -face context. Okay, in the center. In the center uh, with the different the technologies. Classroom. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, you know, the, the education center is, is the way that I envision it is a place for new and upcoming technologies and for everyone to get a place to experience those, okay. try them and out. And explore. And explore what they might be useful for Dep or not. They're and, tools. And so regardless of their discipline or, you know, you could have a, what you're saying is you could have a nutrition student that wants to come in and 3D print, you know, eggs and bacon. <laughs> Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's something like that could okay. happen All in right. my center. Or it could be a faculty just want to explore how uh, laser cutting might be useful in an assignment or in their uh, discipline. Or it may be somebody wanting to experience virtual reality and uh, either a staff member heard that there's a cool training program, they want to be able to do those kind of trainings um, in a virtual context. Okay, sure, but sure. Multimodal learning is really, I mean, it's your wheelhouse. I, I Sure, that's the larger umbrella. Right. I mean, Multimodal Education Center is housed under the Multimodal Learning right. Unit, our Office of Multimodal Learning. Right. Um, and, and I guess I had a slight issue with how you said it was primarily online. We have really focused on online uh, pedagogy, but we actually... Uh, manage a lot of the same technologies like canvas you know that's for face-to-face -face and online right or you know that kind of thing so and we house even the distance ed the de technology is there under that multimodal learning so you know i think we're at a an interesting crossroads where we're gonna see where we go from here right then i mean i think that anytime you do pedagogy the bleed over again from a purely online context or face-to-face, -face, there's just a really lots of vagaries there. And I think that anything that you learn in an online context is applicable or can help you understand your face-to-face -face, uh, teaching experiences a little bit better. Absolutely. So. Yeah, well, then you and then you get into the hybrid, you know. I don't even but get, We don't have time. We don't have time to right. get into the hybrid right. modality, so. But talk to us later about it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you could... Send us a question about it on our Ask an Instructional Technologist Is form. Is it time for Ask It? I think it might be time for Ask It. I don't think we have a song for That's Ask not, It. No, it's uh, Stump the Chump, I yeah. think. That I mean, was no, we don't have a song for that either. No, but maybe what we can work out a beat. What is today's question? Okay. Um, so today's question, hey, Delana. Yeah, what? Hey. Hey. Hey, how's it going? It's good. A question for you. Okay, sure. Why are students having trouble with the lockdown browser? Oh, oh yeah. No cares about that. Lockdown browser. It can be complicated. You know, it's a great feature. It allows you to uh, 
prevent, you know, it's a, what do we call it? We call it a deterrent for cheating with online exams. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to, you know, students can't take screenshots. They can't um, open up multiple windows while they're using the lockdown browser. But I have noticed that there is a little bit of a hiccup when you, when faculty copy their course from one quarter to the next, before the lockdown browser will re-engage and work, mm -hmm. they've got to click in the left side navigation on the uh, lockdown browser link. Mm -hmm. And that basically resets all the lockdown, if the, if the lockdown browser was required previously, mm -hmm. it resets those and engages them, and so now they work in the new course. Mm -hmm. But without clicking on that link in the left navigation after a course copy, it doesn't work, and students will try to take the test, and they won't be able to. And they'll have problems. And they'll who? call the help desk. They'll call Canvas. They'll call me. And we don't want that. No, that's not my role. No, it is. It's <laughs> <laughs> completely opposite of the truth. Um, well, great. So. But you have instructions, perhaps, on how to do that in a visual oh, way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you'll find those in the start of the quarter Canvas procedures that I email out to all faculty at the beginning, before the beginning of each term. That's awesome. So follow those directions yeah. and, and, and don't have that problem anymore. That sounds great. Okay, well, welcome to the Multimobile Podcast. Today I have Wes Clogston, the, a professor with Law and Justice, with me. And we're going to go ahead and start with what is your teaching philosophy, Wes? You know, I've been asked that several times before, and, and nailing that down is really difficult for me because really the philosophy would depend on the courses. Uh -huh. uh, for example, if we're teaching to hire somebody, well, grades are not important. And as, uh, on the other hand, the criminal procedure, certainly they have to know the material and are, are tested over it. But I think the bottom line is uh, I need to know the students. I need to be able to call them by name. And uh, the class success to me depends on the amount of uh, discussion that we can generate. And uh, in order to be successful, that's... That's what I, I try to do. So my philosophy would be know the students, mm -hmm. address the students' needs, and help them to apply the knowledge and the information that we're trying to uh, give them through the, throughout the course. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, can, so, you know, we're the multimobile podcast, so we're going to talk about technology and using technology. And we asked you here because you've been a, a early adopter of online technologies and uh, a leader in your department. Can you share with us a best experience uh, of teaching with technology? Oh, the best experience is not a, it's not a singular experience. Uh, when, when I came to Central, I was very relieved that they were uh, using Blackboard as a, as a platform. And okay. then you approached me about being on a pilot program for Canvas. And I think probably that has been the best experience that I've had, uh, switching over from Blackboard to Canvas, because of the fact that we can do so much more with Canvas uh -huh. uh, than we could with Blackboard, uh, and the, especially in the way of feedback. I think that uh, we're able to address the students' needs a whole lot better. I, I have a, a philosophy that feedback is the breakfast of champions, yeah. and I'm able to give so much more feedback on Canvas than I could 
under the other other programs that have been utilized for online. And, and then it opened up different avenues such as uh, Anopto. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, great. Can you want to share with us sort of a, a bad experience that you had teaching with technology? Well, I, you know, it, I just mentioned one of the bad experiences was Spadopto. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought about uh, incorporating that. I looked at one of my uh, students, SEOIs, one time, and uh, I'd always felt like it was important in technology to give a lecture, uh, as I would in the classroom. And the comment that this one particular student made is, you know, the professor just read to us. And I thought, no, I, I didn't read. But I went back and listened, and it did sound like I was reading. So. This is one I got with Chad, uh-huh. and we incorporated Pinocchio and, uh, and with the video and into the lecture series. And that has, uh, that has been something that the students has, have really commented on in a positive way, uh, to be able to see, uh, be able to hear, and get the information in addition to what you did in, in the reading. Right. Now, as far as the uh, a bad experience... Well, I, you know, being the, the thought person that I am, I thought it'd be really nice for the students to experience Pinocchio. And I, I went to great lengths to establish uh, directions for them on how they could do their own Pinocchio. So they're creating they're, recording presentations. Their rec- presentations. Okay, yeah. Their, their assignments. Uh, I failed to, remember, to realize there was a difference in a PC and Mac. And all of the preparation that I went through uh, to get ready for the PC, those that had the Mac, it was a train wreck. Sure. And it took us, it took us two or three weeks to get that straightened out, mm-hmm. and a lot of fancy footwork. But we we were able to get it done, so yeah. it turned out real well. Yeah, good. And now yeah. the students have that experience of they do creating their own lectures, it, and I think it's interesting that you pointed out that. Um, it made a difference to them to be able to see you and hear you at the same time because a, a lot of faculty worry about being on camera. Yeah. And, you know. As do the students. As do the students, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. But but it builds a little more. They, they see you. You're not a robot. You're a human, and you have, yes. you know, and that part, you can portray that when you add your video to the yes. Uh, yes. presentations. So awesome. Okay, so would you like to share with us a teaching innovation that you've developed or, or um, I guess, used that, with or without technology that's been something really successful as you've been a professor? Well, uh, as I mentioned right at the beginning, uh, having the student know that I really care about their success, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that, that's utmost importance. But I, as we alluded to on, on the Pinocchio, I, I think that's something that we incorporated. Now, we don't have the train wreck now because we, uh, I've got lectures on how to do uh, Pinocchio with McAfee. Sure. And there's, there's always grumbling at the beginning when I make the assignments in the Pinocchio. But once the students do it and, and once they, they see what, what is available there, uh, 
there, there's a lot of positive comments on it. You know, this this is something I really enjoyed doing. I'd rather do this than write a two-page or fifteen-page paper. Sure. <laughs> and and certainly I'd rather score uh, a a penopto presentation as opposed to reading seventy-two or so papers. Right. You bet. And, uh, so it, it, this has been something that the students have have enjoyed doing. Uh huh. Great. So. Do you do you have them look at each other's presentations, or right now, or is there are they just presenting to you? They're just presenting to me now. Okay. You know, there's some things that I, I would like to be able to do, and with the online technology, uh, the and and we have collaboration and things of this nature to where you can have uh, chats. Right. But but what we run into in on the online situation is they're non-traditional students. Some of them work all night long. Right. Some of them do all their work on the weekends. And, you know, they're just all different kind of schedules. I have four that are out of the country now that in this particular investigation class I'm yeah. doing. And, and it's hard to, to get the interaction that I would like to have with the students on an online situation. Sure, in the, with the synchronous. That's right. Right. That's right. right. Yeah. And... Uh, knowing exactly where they are in, in the assignment and how I can facilitate their needs a little better. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh, a day delay uh, in, in the communication, a lot of times they've figured out the problem or maybe they uh, have just given up on the problem. But sure. I, I would like to see a way that we could, uh, we could facilitate more of a, a classroom atmosphere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. Well, maybe we'll have some offline conversation about some some other alternatives of uh, ways, and and maybe it won't it won't look synchronous, but but ways to help with that turnaround or um, without making yourself crazy too. You know? That's true. <laughs> I, I I don't want to sit at a computer twenty four hours. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh. Well, great, and uh, just really thank you for coming in today, Wes, and sharing your experience with teaching and learning. Well, I appreciate what the technology department has done with uh, with our online learning. I think it's a great thing. Good. Uh, and, and I would not have said that 10 years ago because <laughs> okay. it was kicking and screaming when yeah. they got me into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Uh, All right. So. Well, thank you. I've got Wes Clogston from the Department of Law and Justice with our featured faculty spotlight. All right. Thank you. Yep, yeah, thank you. The news. There's no news like a new news. No. I love that. I love to All hear right, so news. we also have uh, this week and next week. Hmm. February, okay. the week of February 5th. Through February, actually, it goes on to the 28th. That's today. That's today. We're recording on February 5th. Uh, we have a series of webinars that uh, Multimodal Learning is hosting uh, for faculty. So if you'd like to join us in Samuelson 124, we will be presenting um, webinars on subjects such as implementing universal design, designing effective rubrics, is your online instructional content accessible? Act, active learning, how to improve critical thinking, motivation, and engagement, 
We also have a series through the Transforming the Teaching and Learning Environment series on five practices for productive online discussions, using your LMS as an equity and retention tool, how to increase student completion rates in online learning, replacing your textbook with open education resources, and how can we get students to work in teams in online courses? And you can find the dates and times of each of those webinars that will be hosted by us, probably with a short discussion afterwards, if, yep. we, if time allows, um, that you'll be able to see those in Central Today is where they'll be posted. You probably also got an email that hopefully you didn't ignore, but you got an email from um, our office explaining what we were doing and uh, inviting you to join us. Yeah. is here inside Chad's mind. I don't know why it's in my mind. It's, it's like it's, all of our minds. It's your app. <laughs> Not this one's yours. This one is mine. Yeah, this is Delana's app of the okay, episode. Okay, so let's I'm hear not... what song are you going to do for me. Here's Delana's app of the episode. Is that the song? Is that the song? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a... Was there a jingle? No, it was kind of like a punk rock version of the song. Oh, okay. <laughs> the spoken word. Yeah, it was the spoken word. Okay, all right. All right. So what's uh, this week's app episode? This week we're going to talk about Canvas Commons. Commons is an awesome place to share content with your colleagues. So Canvas Commons is located in your global navigation on the far left within Canvas. You can share resources, full courses, individual pages, individual exams, whatever you want, with a specific group that has been pre-set. So let's say you're in the nutrition program, because I'm just plugging nutrition again, um, and you want to be able to share your course templates with other grad students and faculty that are going to teach that 101 class. Um, and so you can just share that whole course to Commons to the specific nutrition group that has been created. If you don't have a specific group yet created, contact Delena Brecken and I can build that for you. And then only people in that specific group will be able to import the content into their own Canvas courses. That's great. Yeah. It's actually a pretty cool, slick thing. Do we have access to Commons outside the university? No, we've really kept it within our university. There is a way to open that up, but there's a lot of content out there. So it's we've used Commons as an in-house way to organize and share amongst departments and programs. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you, Delano. Yeah, you're welcome. That yeah. was my... You want to sing it out? I want to sing it again, but do I it. want you to join I, me here. All right, I'll do it. One, two, three. The app of the episode is here. Inside Your our mind. minds. <laughs> well done. Na, 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 oh, wait, there's a little extra. Na, All right. Okay, that's it. That's yeah, it. that's that it. That was good. All right. Wait, good. wait, wait. Now we're going to say goodbye. Oh. Well, um. Thank you for listening to this uh, 
episode of Multimodal. Multimodal. Oh, try that again. Okay, one, two, three. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Multimodal podcast. Podcast. Uh, We will try to be a little bit more on with it. We'll probably at least try to get four more in this quarter. Quarter. We'll give it a whirl. I'd say one more. No. We'll look for him. <laughs> but we will try to get a little bit more on top of it. Hopefully next quarter things will have calmed down. Yeah, we might our, have a couple more staff. We might have more <laughs> staff. That'd be awesome. Um, so uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Wes Clogston, for agreeing to be our uh, faculty Featured spot. faculty spotlight, yeah, yes. that's really awesome. Yep. And, um, yeah, have yep. a good day. Go Stay Wildcats. In. Go out. Avoid the snow if you can, or enjoy it. I don't know. Yeah, enjoy it, yeah. You like to enjoy it. You wake up in the snow, and you're like... Let's go roll around, yeah. And I wake up in the snow, and I'm like... "Mm." Yeah, yeah. Well, um, my name's Delana Brecken, and I'm the Senior Instructional Technologist. I'm Chad Schoen, Director of the Multimodal Education Center, and... uh, We're signing off today from the Multimobile Podcast. Podcast.